Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey. And I'm Aubrey and we're your hosts and we have a really cool series that's yes, kicking off do. Uh, today. A parenting series with a, a fabulous, two fabulous guests, let's be honest. <laughs> that's true. The both of you guys are fabulous. You're kind of like both guests and both interviewing each other, which is awesome. It's kind of, a, it's going to be so much fun. I, I'm excited about being a fly yeah, so on the fun. wall because you're having this conversation with my brilliant wife, Christy, and I've gotten to hear the yes. things she talks to me about when it comes to her struggles with motherhood and the things that she's wrestling with when it comes to the season of motherhood that she's in. I'm excited that she gets to have a conversation with a seasoned mom, but you know, in a different season. That's right. And uh, you guys are going to dive into all of this. But before we kind of dive into that conversation, I, I want to talk about this parenting series as, as a whole, because we've got... Uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about parenting. We've never done this before. We've never specifically zeroed in yeah, on parenting. Yeah, this is our first parenting series, right? And we're mm-hmm. doing this partially because you guys requested it. That was one of the major topics that you requested mm-hmm. in our survey at the beginning of this year that you wanted to yeah. hear from us. What's really cool about it, it's one of the topics that we had already earmarked as wanting to do in 2021. So the Holy Spirit was really moving us. in big so ways right there. Um, but there's reasons we're doing a parenting series, right, Aubrey? There's reasons. <laughs> Oh, there are so many reasons. We're not just doing it randomly. We are doing it because, you know, we want to hit as many pain points as we can to bring you hope in your headphones. And I mean, we know parenting is one of the most difficult challenges. I love how Aubrey laughs here because literally uh, only a parent can understand that laugh. You're like, (laughs) when you talk about pain, you immediately associate it with your kids (laughs) if you're a parent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, those early years that Davy and Christy are oh in. Uh, Christy's going to talk about her pain yeah. uh, in this season, and I'm going to talk about it from a different perspective. But we're our goal is not to just commiserate. We we do want to commiserate, but we want to bring you some hope right. and talk right. about how even in the middle of the pain and these these long long days, yeah. God is here. And so I hope this is an encouraging conversation yeah. for you. We want to make sure that you don't feel, you feel like you're not alone. You're not isolated in this whole thing. As yeah. a parent, it's very easy to feel alone. That's the enemy's major ploy in all of our lives is try to get us to feel like we're alone. We're right. the only ones going through this. But we also want to make sure that you feel encouraged through this. And if you're not a parent, listen, this is a great series for you to dive into because you know mm-hmm. people who are parents. And in fact, you potentially yep. have people who are stepping into parenthood and their lives are transitioning. And I think it's so important to be able to be empathetic with them in this situation if you're not a parent. And some of you are struggling with um, some pain points regarding not being a parent. And we're going to talk through some of that over the course of this series. I want to encourage you to lean in. I know this might touch a few places that are sensitive in your life Mm -hmm. over this series, but I really want to encourage you to lean in because I think God's going to provide some huge hope and healing during this entire series for you. So I'm excited that we get to kick this off. Conversation between you and Christy. It's going to be so good. I'm excited to be a fly on the wall for this one. Let's go ahead and dive into this conversation that you have, Aubrey, with my brilliant, beautiful wife. Well, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Christy Blackburn. I'm back again. You're back. Thank we you for having, having me. You. <laughs> you are a fan favorite. I mean, you basically are Nothing Is Wasted. Let's be honest. It wouldn't exist without you. So having you here today to talk with me about all things motherhood feels like my honor and my privilege. And I know that our listeners are going to be blown away and blessed by hope, well, I know by you, hopefully by both of us. <laughs> well, I feel very honored that you guys would even take time to listen to this with me on here. So thank you. So we thought today we would do something a little bit different. Obviously, you're not a traditional guest because, you know, you're one of the founders and uh, really have seen nothing is wasted from the beginning. So instead of interviewing you, what we thought we would do today is really talk about mothering. We want to talk today about the hardship of mothering, the beauty of mothering, and 
really how God uses mothering as a sanctifying season. Mm. And, yeah. uh, you know, listeners, we know not all of you are moms, but we know all of you know moms, or maybe you're considering becoming moms, or maybe you have some type of loss in your own mothering journey. And we have you in mind as we're talking about mothering today. And so, Christy, as we kind of jump in, why don't you tell everyone your season of mothering, and then I'll tell them my season of mothering, and we'll go from there, because we're in different places right now. Yes. Well, I mean, if you're a first-time listener, to just some background is that my husband was married before me, his wife passed away, and he had a son uh, who was 15 months old at the time. And then I was married before, um, had a daughter, and then we got divorced. And so we blended families, uh, meanwhile, while co-parenting. And then now we had a third child of our own, and um, he is 18 months, and he is absolutely intense and crazy. And we love it, and it's <laughs> great. Uh, but so we have all the layers. We have blending, we have co-parenting, and we just have normal parenting, um, which it's nuts over here. Yeah, that is amazing. You get a trophy and a gold star for all that you do. Okay, you and know? can you, so you have an 18 month old and then say the ages of your other two. Yeah, so Natalia just turned eight. Weston <gasps> will. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. And then Weston will turn seven next month. And then, uh, yeah, Cohen is 18 months. Cohen is 18 months. Okay, so Kevin and I are in, we're just like outside of your uh, stage of parenting. Yes. We have three sons and our youngest is nine. So just a year older than Natalia, although he'll be 10 in the fall. So maybe a year and a half. And then we have an 11, almost 12 year old and a 14, almost 15 year old who Kevin's starting to teach to drive, which is like, that's absolutely mind blowing, mind blowing to me. And so all boys, did you say all boys? Yep. Okay. It is a crazy household. All boys. I do. I mean, you've got two sons, but I definitely wished for a little bit of girl energy in my home. And I we just don't have it. You know, it's kind of hard because like a lot of my friends who have all boys are like, they, they feel like the queen in a way. Like, okay, here, you know, yeah, all my boys around true. me. That's true. And then you get that girl and she comes in with the sass. So I don't know. I don't know what you would prefer. Yeah. I don't know what the trade-off is, right? God knows yes. what we need. Yes. Um. Okay. So Chris, you are in the throes of what I would think about as some of the hardest years of mothering, but in your experience so far, what has been, like, what do you feel like has been the hardest season and why? Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a lot of layers with this just because you think about each of my seasons. So I had Natalia out of wedlock, you know, and I, I came from this really strong Christian background, conservative background. Um, I mean, we all know in our faith, like, Hey, like from the very get go, you learn as a kid, like your purity ring, uh, you know, <laughs> right, everything. Right. And so just stepping into a season of being pregnant, having my sin on display, um, mm. that was a really hard season before I even yeah. had her. So that I would say was my hardest season. And then I had her and was just such a gift. It says that, you know, children are a gift from God. And so I'm like, she is such right. a gift. But as a first time parent, in the throes of all of that, you think that Christy. that's your hardest time. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's nuts. Like you see how selfish you are and everything that. So I always said that was my hardest time, but then you blend in grief, you know, and then you're co-parenting. Mm. And so I would have probably said at that time, like blending Natalia and Weston together, uh, co-parenting with Natalia's dad, um, just doing stuff with grief and everything. I would have said that was my hardest time. And then... <laughs> And then Cohen. <laughs> I know where you're headed with this. <laughs> he came in and Davey and I thought, oh, we're going to have four kids. We're going to have two of our own. It's just going to like kind of make everything just mm. blend perfectly well where everyone Balanced feels. Yes. And, right, right. Yes. And then literally like people ask us like, are you going to have a fourth? And people would normally would say, you know, like that ship has sailed. But we like say, no, Cohen sunk that ship. Like it's like battleship. <laughs> it sunk. It's just he's a different yep. kind of child. He's very intense. It takes it takes a lot of one on one work with him. Okay. He also okay. had a babysitter quit on us. I mean, he's just no. Yes, he is just a okay. different kind. Okay. And it's I always thought it was a really good mom. My kids are very obedient. Everyone always comments on how respectful they are. Then we had yeah. Cohen five to ten temper tantrums a day. So this season, I would just say just to describe. I'm like, sorry, I'm laughing, Christy. Know, it's right? terrible. Yes. But just even describing just my kids in general, just all the trauma they've received and all the transitions mm. we've gone through. Davey and I were sitting through mm. this church service and they were talking about every transition, if you give it a point system 
and you just talk about every single one you add it up if you get over 300 that's the point of a mental breakdown and i think just the examples they used we hit every single example they used in church we hit 400 and david and i looked at each other yeah just with those and it wasn't even all the ones that he's like we had way more transitions than that in the past year wow so david and i looked at each other and we're like oh my gosh how are we okay and then i looked at him i said but how are our kids doing like mm. they went through every single transition that we went through this past year. Wow. So something has wow. to be going on. And so we joke that we say that kids have these emotional like cups and needs. Like, so we have to fill their cup up every single day. There's a, you know, a yep. specific quota, but for some reason with kids that go through grief and trauma and different transitions, it's like either there's a hole in their cup or they have mm. a big gulp and you can never fill it. Yeah. And you just feel like you're pouring so yourself true. out. You can't fill it. So you feel like a failure at the end of the day. And I would say that for the past almost year and a half, I was just feeling like a failure every single day mm. of like, I can't fill my kids' cups. I'm exhausted. I'm now becoming irritable. So I'd say this past year and a half, probably out of all the you know transitions and different types of just seasons with my kids, I'd say this has been the hardest mothering and you know motherhood season for me what about you though yeah that sounds that's I mean I can see why you'd say that that sounds really rough um I I want to come back to something you said but I'll tell you I uh something you said earlier really resonated with you what you said something like when Natalia was first born just your own kind of weakness and your own sinfulness like that was in your face or you said something like that I would say there that early stage um not little bitty baby but somewhere kind of in the toddler to like not quite independent stage where I just felt like I was constantly coming up against my own like poverty and sinfulness and frailty and my patience was short and like the gap between who I thought I was supposed to be as a mom and who I was as a mom felt really wide. Like that chasm felt so wide. And I mean, you know, I think all moms can relate to this. There were a lot of days when I would just have to like go in my bathroom, cry my eyes out, go in the shower, cry my eyes out and then start over. And I, I just remember thinking often, God, I am not a perfect parent. But I am praying that that points my kids to you as the perfect parent. Like in my weakness that they go, oh, my mom isn't meant to satisfy all of my needs. You are, Lord. And that somehow, God, you you take that, my failures, and use it to point my kids to you. Yes. (laughs) You know? And so I'm just still praying by the grace of God that that's what happens. But I something you said, Christy, about like, feeling like a failure every single day. I feel like that's a specific voice that moms hear, right? Like you're a failure, you're not a good enough mom. Like mom guilt, mom shame is such a unique thing. And obviously like that's not from the Lord. You're not failing as a mom. I'm not failing as a mom. But there is something unique to motherhood that I don't know, like makes that voice loud. It screams at you. you. Yes. Yeah. Are there ways where you feel like you can combat that when you, when it's in your head? Yeah. So Davey and I were talking and because I have always been a career driven woman. And so like Mm -hmm. I was always out and you, you get your evals back and you can like work your butt off (laughs) totally, and you can succeed and work in excellence. And they're like, Hey, like, and you get promotions. I mean, you get so much feedback of how great of a worker you are. And that's what I always received. So I told him, I said, imagine this was a year after Cone was born and I was struggling with my mental health at that time. And I've Mm. never, I mean, I've gone through, if you've listened to the hundredth episode of our podcast, uh, that's where I share my story. And it was trauma after trauma after trauma. And I didn't have to deal with mental health then. I mean, I was surviving barely with this trauma and I was fine, but motherhood is what got me And that's what's crazy Mm. to me in my first world problems, living in this nice house with everything, all of our needs filled. And I was struggling. And so I told Davey, I said, it's like you going to work every single day for a year and every day you go home and you go to bed and you're thinking through, what did I do well? And you're like, nothing. Everything I did was wrong. Everything that I tried to do, like, let's say like do a task, like fold the laundry and then it got unfolded. It's like you did a task (laughs) and then it all got messed up again. Right, right. Every task you did was never complete. It was actually messed up more than when you started. 
After mm-hmm. one year of you feeling like a failure every single day and crying yourself to sleep or crying every mm-hmm. single day, you would say, this probably isn't a healthy job for me. And you would transition right. out. I said, <gasps> right. I go and find a replacement. Yes. <laughs> I said, where is my transition, Davy? This is every right. single day. And I have to wake right. up knowing that I'm a failure. And what mm. was so helpful for me is I read some kind of blog with the Gospel Coalition. And if you know me, I'm not a blog reader. And so I was like desperate. I'm like, I need anything yeah. I'm parenting right now. I will, I'll read anything. And what was the most beautiful thing that they said was this, that living in motherhood is like Jesus suffering on the cross. And it, and what was, yes. it was like, it felt like that for me. And I was like, wait, this is kind of dramatic. Like I, how is this the suffering of Jesus? And I said, because what you have to do is his mercies are new every single morning. You're going to suffer like him, laying yourself down every single day, picking up yep. your cross daily, being dependent on him for your strength, your grace, right. your compassion, not even just grace and compassion for your kids, but also for yourself. I was yourself, I was being such yeah. a negative self-talk person. I was like, Christy, you're mm-hmm. a horrible mom. You're irritable. They're going to have so many woundings because of you. They're going to need so much counseling. I mean, the stuff I would say, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, yeah. the stuff we say no, in our real. minds. It's real. It's yes. crazy. It's crazy town up in there. I've never realized how yeah. crazy I was until I became a mom like you think all these totally. things about what's going to happen to your kids and hearing that literally that this was a gospel way of living out the gospel mm. more than I have ever lived out the gospel that I was going yes. to take up my cross I was going to be fully dependent on him and fully dependent on the gospel that was beautiful and I was like I can do this then yeah this is what I was called yeah. to do suffer like Christ yes and I'm going to yes. show my kids through the gospel of daily living and daily sacrificing my life for them that's right. And the whole, I mean, the whole calling really is, that's what I love about as hard as mothering is. I do feel like it is the season when God shapes some of the most Christ-likeness in you yes. specifically because of that. Cause you literally are, it can feel like in motherhood that you're, you know, you think about like, uh, you grow up in the church and you're told you're supposed to like go sit quietly and have your quiet time in the morning before your day starts. (laughs) And you're supposed to go to church and you're supposed to be part of a small group. And these things you're supposed to do to grow in Christ. But once kids are in the picture, that changes. Like you can't get up before your kid. You're barely sleeping. You can't like, you can maybe go to church, but you're dragging crying babies with you. And then you have to leave the service or like you put them in the nursery, but then you get called out. Like you just can't do those like quote unquote typical spiritual disciplines. And so I do feel like that is a word for moms that your daily sacrifice, your daily dying to self, your actual feeding of your children, your folding the laundry, like those mundane things really are the things that God uses to make you like Jesus. Yes. And and it is worth it to keep serving your family and loving them, even though it's really, really hard. Yes. And everything you're exactly saying, I was just getting chills of what you're saying, because that has been my mantra every single day of like, this Mm. is sharing the gospel. This is doing exactly what God has called me to do right now. And it feels so, it feels worthless. I I was telling David, I'm like, I don't, why am I so sad all the time when it comes to this? Like, why don't Mm. I feel fulfilled? So we were actually talking to one of our counselors and she said, like, just so flippantly, so you're not fulfilled in being a mom as if it was okay. And the fact that she gave me permission (laughs) to not feel fulfilled, it was like, it was freeing. And I could say, no, I'm not. And it was okay. And I think that's what people need to hear. Like sometimes it's not fulfilling. Sometimes getting puked on all day, like, you know, <laughs> totally. like all the stuff that happens. I mean, all the, like the, the bowel movements I've had on me, I'm just over it. I don't like smelling like that. <laughs> right. Like it's right. just, can it's so I true. not, can I go back in my career? But when I right. see what is happening every single day, and I think in the mundane, you don't see it. And then yeah. two years later, three years later, and you're way, you know, you're farther down the road than mm-hmm. I am. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you're seeing those deposits you've made with those kids. And I just keep on saying it's worth it. Yes. It's worth it. Yes. Yes. It is worth it. I keep <laughs> saying like, Lord, in the land of the living, I will see your goodness when it comes to my parenting. <laughs> God is doing big things in and through Nothing Is Wasted Ministries this year. One of these things I've been itching to announce, but couldn't until now, is the release of the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional. 
These devotions are the daily entries I wish that I had available to me along my healing journey. Each entry is designed to give you hope and practical help as you partner with God to take back your story. It'd be great for you or for anyone in your life who is struggling through a difficult season. The devotional is releasing July 22nd, but we want to extend to you a special offer of 20% off if you pre-order the devotional before July 22nd. If you pre-order now, the devotional will show up on your doorstep on July 22nd, and you'll gain immediate access to all our exclusive pre-order bonuses, including the first 21 days sent to your inbox, along with five-minute video teaching of each entry from me. To pre-order the devotional and check out all the bonuses, go to paintopurposedevo.com and use the code PODCAST for 20% off the devotional just for being a Nothing Is Wasted podcast listener. Again, that's paintopurposedevo.com and use that code PODCAST for 20% off. Christy, something that you I mean, there's two things that you said I wanted to talk about. One, there's a great book by Leslie Leland Fields called Parenting, no, Mothering is Not Your Highest Calling, or Mm. it might be called Parenting is Not Your Highest Calling. Yes. And it's sort of that same thing, like parenting, mothering, while deeply important, it is okay if you don't necessarily feel like this is what God made me for, because God may have not made you for just that. Yes. Certainly, if God has given you kids, then that's your assignment and you have a role to play. But like, it's okay, like you said, that it is not like satisfying your soul. So that, that makes me think about women who feel called to things outside of mothering. Yes. And yet perhaps they're in the throes of mothering because I know you just kind of mentioned you're in that season. I have definitely been in that season. So how do you balance that? Well, I think the the hardest part is this. People think when they get their assignment that that's everybody's assignment as a mom. So mm. what I've noticed is I've sit in different camps. So I, you know, I'm a homeschooler and we're starting to get mm-hmm. out of homeschooling and put them more into a private school. We felt called in a season of homeschool. We're not homeschoolers yeah. for life. And the friends we're around, some of them are. And, and that is what God called them to do. And that is yes. totally fine. But what I've yeah. seen in that camp sometimes is that that though that group will think this is what you should do as a mom if yeah. you're not with them 24/7 seeing every need fulfilled and every like everything then that's not right. right and I don't think that is I think God calls us in different assignments so I think you can have multiple assignments and they still be the, an equal calling so you were entrusted yes. with your children God is entrusting you. So when you go up into heaven, he's going to ask you, how did you handle your kids? Like with what I gave you, were you responsible with them and how was it? And so I think about that as well. But I also think we have different callings. I think about Jesus in his life. He was a carpenter. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, his dad was a carpenter. So his dad's calling was to be a carpenter and he discipled his son and showing him his trade. And he was also with his child. And so I think Mm. about that in our callings, like we might have so many different callings and that is okay. And that means that maybe our kids go to a public school if, you know, and if we wanted them to go to a private, but we couldn't afford it. And that is okay because that's the season that we're in. And so I I just know that Moms in public school systems, they feel judged by the ones in private school and they feel judged <laughs> right, by the ones right. in homeschooling. We're all going to feel judged. Right. But if we can just see that God gives us multiple assignments, multiple callings, and some of them are the, at the exact same time. And so those multiple mm-hmm. assignments have to happen. And so for me, when it comes to my calling, I want to be a PA. I want to go out and yeah. work in the hospital system and take care of people. But there's a season that God said, no, you're going to be at home right now and to create stability. Yeah. But right now he's also opening doors of different healthcare assignments. And so I'm taking them and, I'm, and I've been really excited about it. And we have more babysitters and we're putting them in private school. And so I'm still with my kids. I'm just not physically with them for every single thing they ever do <laughs> moment of the day yes, yes. and yeah. I, I'm a better mom now I've noticed that I've gotten more time away to kind of breathe and get my fulfillment mm. what God has put me set my heart on fire for and yes. then I come back to them and it's it's way better it's a way better situation yeah what I love about that too is I I I do think that there's something powerful about your own kids 
watching you fulfill the work that God has called you to do. Yes. And they'll be inspired by that as they get older. The, I think they'll look for a spouse who's who's um, living on purpose, for purpose. They'll want that for themselves as well. Yes. So like you set the example that like, kids, I love you. You're so important to me. But if God has called me to do something else, I'm going to follow God. Oh, yeah. God's kingdom and, and God's uh, mission with our family are my is my most important calling. And that's and where so I think that's people good. miss it is like with yeah. our family. Because I think with. sometimes people see this is my calling, so this is what I'm supposed to do. And the kids feel abandoned and neglected. Yeah, the kids suffer because and of rejected. that, right? Yes. And so if you put them with it, I think there's a lot more power in that. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I know when I was especially when my kids were little before they were in school, because our kids are in public school. That was a hard season for me because I did feel called outside of the home. Yes. But I also felt very called to be a stay-at-home mom at this time. And so that was, uh, I wish I would have had a better um, understanding of seasons, like um, uh, that God calls each of us to different seasons and each of those seasons builds on the next and each of those seasons God shapes character in you and then prepares you for what he has next for you but at the time I like couldn't see beyond my kids are little and they're taking up everything and I'm losing my mind and my (laughs) soul and my heart and and I mean of course there were beautiful lovely moments as well but um, it was hard for me to think outside of that and think one day I'll get to do what God has called me to do like it felt like that that day would never, 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 never come. Yes. And in one sense, I i mean, you can't go back. And I trust that the Lord was shaping me through it all. But in one sense, I regret not being able to go, no, this is the season God has me in. I'm going to embrace it wholeheartedly. I'm not going to fight against it. I'm going to be here. I'm going to see it as God's invitation. And I'm going to trust that if he's called me to the next thing, he will in his timing. Because that's what he did. Yep. But I didn't really see that until hindsight, you know? And so it just... Oh, yeah. It, it, it's a... Uh, it, uh, of course, moms, we can always be hard on ourselves. So I can be hard on myself for that. But I do think uh, I'm trying to remember that even now. Okay, well, then this season I'm in now where my kids are getting a little bit older. That's God preparing them, preparing me, preparing our family for what God has next for us. Well, in hindsight, it's 2020. So at the end I'm of right. the day, yeah. I think most of us moms, we want to beat ourselves up. And I know you're not beating yourself up right now. But I think yeah. about the moms that when we do think about, um, I get DMs a lot uh, through moms who are in their fifties who will tell me the mistakes they made with their kids. And they'll Mm. say, I made these mistakes. Now one of my kids, like they're not following the Lord. And I wanted to tell them this, but I felt like in a way I'm like, man, I am only in my thirties and I haven't raised kids out of the house yet. But I (laughs) want to just say this truth to moms right now. And maybe this will help that the, the litmus test of how you are as a parent does not mean that your kids are going to be believers and have amazing spouses and have amazing children. That is not the litmus test. The litmus test is that you were called and you were entrusted with that and you did the you had the heart to do the best that you can. And you gave the control to the Lord. I remember when my daughter Natalia, she got her autoimmune disorder. And I remember just feeling like, what can I do? What can I control? How can I heal her? And I just remember one day, like after a year of just feeling so exhausted about her autoimmune disorder, just p- opening my hands up and saying, Lord, you love her more than I love her. And this is what I'm mm. trying to do right now for her. I'm going to give this control up to you, her health, her life, everything. I know you can capture yeah. her heart and I don't, I don't have a timeline for her. So it doesn't mean like when she graduates, she's going to love the Lord and have all this stuff. Right. <laughs> I just pray that right before her dying breath, that she sees you as King and Lord, and I will be that's okay right. with that. And that's the promise. Yeah. I feel like there's more of a promise in that than hmm. they're going to be it when you're here. And so again, I don't think the litmus test is if you are a good parent, your kids are now Christians because right. <laughs> That's just not the truth. <laughs> right. We know that's not, you know, we know that's not the truth experientially. There are lots of great parents whose kids aren't walking with the Lord. And there are lots of terrible parents whose kids are passionately in love with Jesus. Um, in spite and of so, what they did. And so yeah, in spite yeah. of us, our God, our God still uses us to be their parent. It's amazing. It's yeah. Absolutely, it's absolutely yes. amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. Um, so Christy, I'm thinking about, you know, you just talked about Natalia's health issues and Nolan went through some health issues. That's our youngest. What was it like just parenting um, in that season when she was sick and when you were kind of trying to figure out what was going on? How did you handle that? 
You know, it was crazy because when you think about your child, you don't want one single thing to happen to them. They, you don't want them to right. go through anything hard. And so I just remember the first time seeing, so she has vitiligo. It's an autoimmune disorder. And basically what that means is like the pigment in your skin is from melanin. And the specific mm-hmm. things is melanocytes that create the melanin. Well, your, her immune system will fight those melanocytes, melanocytes and make her skin go white and her hair go white. And it thinks yeah, it's a foreign wow. substance in her body. So it fights her own body, basically. And so anyone yeah. with an autoimmune disorder, that's what happens to you. Your body's fighting itself in the natural self, yes. and it shouldn't. And so right. we went in, and um, they were like, okay, yeah, she has vitiligo. And they started giving all of these things, saying like, hey, you can give her an immunosuppressant. So it will suppress her immune system, so she could get more sick. And <sighs> also, this has a like a 30% chance of lymphoma or something like that. I mean, it was absolutely outrageous, the side effects that yeah. could come with it. And I'm like, yeah. is there a cure? And there wasn't. For, right. And for a parent to hear that there is no cure, that there is no yeah. answer, you feel helpless. And so we were going to a doctor's appointment like every other week or, and sometimes mm. every week, like the eye doctor, the allergist, the, I mean, anything you can think of, we went to those doctors. And so I, again, it's, it's one of those things that you feel so out of control of like, Lord, yeah. why, this isn't fair. Like, why does my daughter have all these issues? What did mm-hmm. she ever do? And one mm-hmm. of the side effects they said was that, now this isn't a very dangerous illness for her. Um, she'll like, it's not going to cause death. However, kids yeah. with this do have a higher susceptibility of suicide and depression. Oh, Whoa. And so hearing that thinking, oh my, so she's going to oh, be made fun of her Christy. whole life. And mm. man, how am I going to go through this? And it was just so neat to just go to that heart of surrender of Lord, you have her health in your hands. You have everything in your hands. And yeah. so, um, it was a hard season. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie when it came to that, but yeah. now we're in such a, just a free season. The way we explain it to her, it's just something beautiful. And the, she explains it to adults. What's the weird thing is adults will come up and say, what's wrong with your face? Cause she has a white, no, th- they what? say the exact words. What? Yes. She has a white thing on her forehead. They'll say, what's wrong with your face? And she'll say, oh, it's just my little, and it used to be like my bit of Wigo. When she was like three years old, she would say that was so cute. And now she just owns it. And she's like, hey, Elsa, you know, Anna and Elsa for Frozen. Elsa, like she causes Anna's hair to go white and my hair's white too. That's awesome. So it's just really neat. But I would say, I didn't even know that Nolan had health issues. So what's going on with Nolan? Yeah, so Nolan was born, and uh, he's nine, almost 10, so 2011. And at his birth, you know when they do the, what's the thing they do with the five letters? Anyway, they sort of check the hearing, and they check the, they check all the things, yes. right? There's a term for it. Apgar, is it Apgar? Apgar, or Apgar score? Yeah, yeah, Apgar Yes. So um, they came back and they kind of said, hey, he, he's looking good, but something is up with his spinal cord. Um, he had a, a little dimple at the bottom of his spinal cord, and they could not see the bottom of it. And so they said, hey, this may be nothing to worry about at all, but we want you to bring him in next week, and we're going to do a little CAT scan for him. So, I mean, you're a new mom, oh. and granted, he's my third kid, but I've had two healthy kids. And, you know, you hear something might be wrong with my kid's spinal cord. You kind of, as a mom, just freak out. And that's the one but thing, they, yes. That's that's a very scary yeah. part of the body to be having an it's issue It's a very with. scary yes. part of the body, right? <laughs> and um, But, the, you know, they were kind of like, hey, no big deal. We're just going to check it out. And so... I just, you know, Kevin and I both just trusted and prayed like, okay, this will be fine. This is not going to be a thing. Well, you know, you bring the next week, you're one week old for a CAT scan and they take him away from you and they sedate him and they put him in the little machine and they came back and they said, okay, hey, you know, we're we're still not finding the bottom of the, the dimple. It does seem like there's something going on with the spinal cord. We want you to take him to Lurie Children's to um, get a, a EKG or is that MRI? Sorry, oh, okay. MRI. So then Kevin and I are starting to panic a little bit. Like, oh, yes. okay, that's a little bit more serious. So they couldn't do the MRI until he was a little bit older. So it may have been a month or so later and we get up really early in the morning I can't you can't feed him after like midnight and he was a new baby and so I was just panicked about that and it was very emotional but we went downtown to the children's hospital and did an MRI 
And ultimately, what we discovered is Nolan had something called a tethered spinal cord, which is actually not that unusual. There are kids who have a tethered spinal cord. But the decision was put before us, do you have surgery to untether it? If you don't have surgery to untether it, it can cause problems with walking. It can cause problems with development. It can, can cause problems with bladder. So we're in and out of Lurie Children's at that point. They're doing muscle tests. They're doing like literally bladder tests. They're doing all kinds of things for a, for months. And at about six months old, it became clear like, okay, we're going to have to do this so Nolan can thrive. Ugh. So six months old, our son has spinal cord surgery. And we're in Lurie for about a week. And then the the crazy part, Christy, is that we had to keep Nolan on his back flat for another, I think it was a month and a half to three months where he had to just be literally there were times when like my leg was on top of him to keep him from rolling over or crawling or sitting or like doing Ugh. things developmentally, like just to keep him down. There were times when I was like, reading over him, even holding an iPad over him to help him watch a movie. I mean, it was painful. My mom had to come in town and live with us for a while. And then from there, Nolan had years and years of physical therapy and occupational therapy. He even had speech therapy because somehow, I don't understand this, but you know how the body just all works together and impacted his speech. So we had years of stuff with Nolan. And um, I will say, by the grace of God, Nolan is doing awesome now. Mm. He does have some residual issues. Like, he's he has a lot of joint and back issues now. Then, randomly, like, Nolan has very severe life-threatening allergies. We actually, like... God told us to name him Nolan because Nolan means champion. And we had to, had no idea, like, Ugh. before he was born, that he truly would live into his name. All the things he had to but, do, um, yes. it... You know, there are parents who have worse stories. There are parents who have kids with very severe developmental issues and kids, parents, as we know well from Nothing Is Wasted, who lose their kids at an early age. Yeah. And so I sometimes I have to stop and go, okay, Lord, this could have been worse and it wasn't. And yeah. so I praise you for that. It gives me a lot of compassion for moms going through worse things with their children. But I, I'm with you, Christy. I don't know if there's much worse than hearing news that your kid is not okay and yeah. is going to struggle with something the rest of their life. And then yeah. having having your child be wheeled away to a surgery room. I mean, Kevin and I still talk about how devastating that was. And we just both sat there and bawled our eyes out. And you do have to have a posture of, okay, Lord, <laughs> you love this kid, like you yeah. said, more than I do. You knew this was going to, this is not a surprise to you. And so I am just praying that you're with him and that somehow all of this in your daughter's autoimmune stuff, somehow, God, you're using this as part of their story to make them more like you and to bring them to you and to give them ministry to other people. Like, I just have to trust that um, and pray all the time. (laughs) You know, when you're saying that, even though just the perspective, I remember we were waiting for our you know, a millionth appointment that we had. Again, you were in the hospital, basically living in all the clinics in the hospital yes, as well. Yes. And we saw this girl wheel up in a wagon. She had no hair. She had a, an IV, mm. you know, with her. Mm. And I just remember thinking, man, she's going through the ringer. I mean, yeah. everything that you do when, when you're going through cancer. And again, it just provided that perspective of, Lord, our days are numbered and we don't get mm-hmm. to choose how many days our kids have here on earth. Right, And I remember right. when Cohen was in my womb and I had to go to the hospital uh, because I was bleeding. I had to go to the hospital for that. And there was a scare that we lost him. I remember passing huge tissue um, thinking that I passed him oh. and miscarried. Um, and again, I just remember Davey and I looking at each other and I just said, if God gave his, us 90 days in the womb, or if he gave us 90 years outside of it, who are we to question God? And it's easy to say sometimes, you know, again, when we compare the hard, when we say how hard our situation is and we can, it's, it can be worse with everybody else, but that is our heart in that season. So whatever hard we're going through, that is our heart. So what you went through, that was your heart. When Natalia got an autoimmune disorder, that was her heart. And what was so beautiful about Natalia is that she's now eight. And last year, I remember just having a conversation with her about it. And I was like, you know what's so beautiful about all the things that's happening? I'm like, Natalia, I'm leading 50 different women through a wellness course 
to empowering them to take back their health. And the reason why is I started on this journey because of your diagnosis. Oh, that makes me want to cry. And she feels it. She's like, I'm helping them. I said, you are. You're the reason why. And what's even neat about that is there's one woman in my course that she just got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And the Mm. stuff that she's now implementing into her life, she was like, Christy, the symptoms of all the stuff that I was having issues with are now going away. And so to That's see amazing, that Christy. Natalia's touch and her purpose in her, in, the, in her life for having her disease, I was able to be used to speak to that woman yeah. and now her symptoms are being reversed. And it's just, Amen. it's a beautiful story to know that we don't know what's happening to our kids. We don't know the yeah. plan that God's, God has for them, but he has a plan and it's for their That's good. Right. We don't know the yep. numbers of days that they're supposed to be here on earth. And whenever yeah. that is, that's for their good. There's a plan with that. And so it's the same way with Davy's daughter, who was, you know, her um, his unborn daughter, Evie. Like yeah. there's days I just mourn for her. I just mourn, like when mm. I see a girl with blonde hair and blue eyes, I just, I mourn, I Aww. grieve for her. And, yeah. but in the same way, she's in heaven with Jesus and our father. Like, I just think she's in such a better place and she doesn't have to ever have cried here on earth. And I just think about all the pain we go through as parents, all our, the pain that our kids will go through. It's not inevitable. They will go through it. And that we right, get to walk they will. with them. Yes, we get to walk with them in it and we get to point them to Jesus in every single yeah. aspect. And that's our job. At the end of the day, that's all yeah. we can do. And we just have to trust in the fact that the Father's hands are big enough to hold our kids. Hey friends, we hope you are enjoying this motherhood episode with Christy and Aubrey. This episode is kicking off our parenting series, so we thought it would be appropriate to bring back someone for our bonus episode this month that has a powerful and unique parenting story. Deborah Murky. Deborah was with us on episode 94 of the podcast where she shared her story of being a parent and foster parent and the trials, tribulations, and lessons she learned through the decades of her own experience. For our bonus episode, she came back to talk to us more in depth about the hopeful lessons and helpful tips in parenting and foster parenting that she has gleaned. So if you're a parent, and especially if you're a foster parent or you're interested in becoming one, this bonus episode is for you. If you want to listen to the bonus episode or any of our other bonus content or just want to support our ministry with a monthly gift, head to nothingiswasted.com slash partners and sign up to make a recurring monthly tax-deductible donation of $20 a month or more. If you are hesitant about committing to $20 a month, you can start a seven-day free trial to preview the bonus content we have under our partner program. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. Here is a little preview of my conversation with Deborah now. I have one of my sons is extremely protective over all of us, very much over me and over our daughters. We have four daughters and two sons. And the the one son um, became very angry at some of these children, little ones that came into our home that had obvious physical abuse. And um, then when these children would either go back home after parents, you know, did what they needed to do, go through their classes or whatever, my son became, uh, he really struggled with that. And, and we had to really spend some time talking about that, that we are a temporary placement that God has called us to um, to step into these children's lives. It could be for 24 hours. And in one case, it was for five years. So, you know, we, 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 um, we have to understand the fact that even though that they're moving on and maybe moving back into what was an abusive home, we have to trust them in God's hands and that we are only temporary. makes me think of another conversation point, Christy. How do you and Davey go about instilling the love of Jesus in your kids? Now, I know Mm. we talked about already, that's not something we can necessarily make happen. Yes. But what steps do you take at least in discipling your kiddos? I think my biggest thing is if 
if I force my kids to do something, they're never going to want to do it. So it's like, <laughs> totally. you know, you think about it. I mean, there's, there's certain things as a believer that you do. You go to church on Sundays. You know, I, I remember just like you go to church, check that off the list when you're a kid. Like this yep. is what we do. We're there all week because I was the preacher's kid, you know, all day, every day. Yep. <laughs> but I think what we've done, and I love this. Francis Chan said this at the IF gathering, the virtual event. He was like, we just don't hold in reverence the name of Jesus. Like, we're not in awe of his name. And if we can Mm. show this amazing, like, awe, like, of Jesus and who he is, everyone would want to be around him and know him and get to know him. And so I feel like my job is just to kind of, it more is caught than taught. So I could teach him all day about how amazing Jesus is. But if I'm not showing them grace, if I'm not showing them mercy, justice, all this stuff, and and speaking the gospel in every aspect of their life, then they're not going to see it. So I feel like for me, when it's the caught part, I just want to show them like, hey, guys, like I messed up. And I had a conversation with them the other day. I was like, I messed up and I need your forgiveness. So showing them that piece, showing them that I'm human, but God's, you know, He's better than me. He's perfect. Yeah. He's not going to mess up. He's he's unconditional. And so for me, when it comes to teaching my kids, it's all optional. Like I really do leave it optional. They have a book. Um, they have a Bible. Sorry, a Bible. Just about the best book out there. <laughs> the book. Yeah, the book. <laughs> and they got it for Christmas. And w- the way I described this Bible to them, I was like, guys, this is holy. Like this is God's mm. words. And to describe it in that way, they don't keep their books nice, any of their books, but this specific Bible, they have it in the box still. And it's like <gasps> perfect. It's precious. And I don't force them to read it either. But what's yeah. so beautiful is at night we'll walk in their room and they'll be reading the Bible and they'll say, God, guys, did you hear this? Did you see what happened here? And they share the stories that they're excited about. Oh, come on. And it's so exciting. And so even last night we were reading, beautiful. I said, what guys, what book of the Bible do you guys want to read? And they said Esther, because I just think she's really amazing how she sacrificed her life. Like she was going to sacrifice her life for her people. And I'm like, okay, you already know the answer. I mean, that's amazing. And they were, you know, six and seven. Now Natalia just turned eight. And so again, I think the biggest thing of just sharing Jesus with them is like just showing him, just showing them exactly like your relationship, how there's an awe and this reverence and how majestic Mm -hmm. he is and all his Mm -hmm. beauty and how holy his word is. And I think people, they just naturally want to see that. Oh, that's so good. I love that. What about you guys with them? Yeah, I, you know, I was thinking about how we we're the same way in a in a lot of what you said, Christy. Meaning, we don't force our kids. Like I know there, I, I have actually really good friends, and this works for their family, where every morning their kids have to get up, do Bible study before they can do anything else, and then they do their chores, and then they do X, Y, Z, and that's great. I mean, that works yes. beautifully for that family. Yes. Um, that's never. I don't know why. That's just never been something we've instilled. Now we do a lot, especially in the summer. We do. I call it Bible times with mom and boys, and Aww. we read the Bible together and talk about the Bible every morning before they go play outside or before I go to work or whatever. But that's kind of our fun summer thing. That's not necessarily something every morning before school we make them get up and do. But yes. I do think where Kevin and I. Um, are talking about the word of God a lot at the dinner table. Mm. We're talking about things that we've seen Jesus do. They see us a lot studying the word. We pray with our kids a lot. And then a few years ago, I mean, there's two other things we do that I'm thinking of. One thing we do to try to make things special is in certain seasons, we will, um, like, especially around the holidays, we will like Uh, almost create a family ritual around God's word. Mm. So we'll have our kids turn off the lights and we'll light candles. And one of them is in charge of picking the Bible verse. Again, my kids are a little older. so Or the Bible lesson that they're going to teach. And like in the dark with the lights on, they'll they'll lead us in something from scripture. And then we talk about it. And then we usually say something about like, Jesus is the light of the world. And we hold (laughs) up the candles. And we, we don't do that all the time. But in certain seasons, we do try to have these kind of like fun family rituals so that they understand one that our faith is a practice like it's yes. something you you do and two that it, like you said it is special right like this is this is a time for reverence this is a time that should be set aside um because God is worthy and God is good and yes. so I, we want them to learn to practice I guess 
like you said, awe and worship. The other thing that I'm thinking, an older parent early on told us to never stop putting your kids to bed. So even when our kids are like teenagers, they're like, don't stop putting your kids to bed because at bedtime is when they're the most tender and vulnerable. It's when they're the most open to talking about things that maybe have been hard in their day or questions that they have. It's when they actually want prayer. Mm. Like you're like, can I, you know, do you want prayer for anything? Yeah. Can you pray that I don't have bad dreams? Can you pray that my test goes well tomorrow at school? Can you pray for X, Y, Z? And so we have tried to be really intentional. And sometimes I'm tired, right? Like I'm like, and my, no. and my kids go to bed yes. later now. When you're like, telling me like this, older. I thought there was going to be a season that's like, I'm done. Yay, go to bed by yourselves. Like, because again, right. I'm not the mom that's like, I want to be around them 24 7 and no. do all the things. Well, <laughs> no, I don't either. Yes. I'll be honest with you. Like, because it's like, my kids go to bed at like 9, 9 30 now, oh, and I'm man. so tired. And I'm like, it's fine. They can just go to bed. <laughs> and my faithful husband will be like, I'll go up there with them. And he literally will crawl in their beds. They have bunk beds. He'll crawl in their bunk beds. Oh. He'll spend some time with each of them. He'll pray with them. He'll tell them how proud he is. Then he goes on the bottom bunk, does the same thing, goes into our oldest son's room mm. and does, I mean, literally gets inside of his like single twin bed with him. And because I'm like you, Christy, I'm like, I can't do this. But I do try to be mindful of that. But anyway, that that nighttime ritual, I think, is such an important part of parenting and discipleship. But I say that aloud, like I don't want to hear parent. I don't want parents to feel guilty, like if they're not doing that, because we do need like a break sometimes. Oh my word! Too. But there's all these things that we can do, you know. And I now That's that you're right. saying that, I'm like, now, dang it, Aubrey, now I'm probably gonna now do that. <laughs> like, no, don't. But, you don't have to. No, I don't feel guilt. <laughs> I feel. I feel like you're right. I've heard it so many times saying that that is yeah. the that's the sacred time. And I, I've yeah, noticed that when is. I put my kids to bed, they, they're ready. They're ready to have conversations yeah. because one, they don't want to go to bed. And so they're prolonging right. the time. <laughs> That's so true. But two, it's it's precious time that they're just so sweet with me. And I and I don't get that mm. throughout the day because throughout the day is go, go, go. And now this is just totally. eye contact time where we're having a conversation yes. fully present Snuggle with time. each other. Pillow talk is the cutest when you're doing it with a seven and a six-year-old. And my six-year-old Weston, <laughs> he is precious. He has these squishy cheeks and he just squishes them next to mine. So I don't when I don't do that with them, I notice a difference. So yeah, you are fully yeah. right. Yeah. And there's there's I, what other ways do you guys do it with your kids of just showing them? I'm sure we, when we say more is caught than taught, I'm sure you're always in the word and they see you having that personal time with with God. Yeah. Yeah. They come down every morning for school. And again, now we're in a different season. So I can get up before my kids now yeah. and, and I wake them up. But like downstairs in my little reading room, having my Bible study, my kids come down and they know like, this is mom's Bible study time. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, Hey, I'm just about to pray. How can I pray for you? And sometimes they're like, nothing, you know, <laughs> or sometimes they're like, Hey, I've got X, Y, Z today. Can you pray for me? I would say the other thing that I've been really intentional about doing and, and this, I think just comes out of my own story um, of sexual abuse, growing up sexual assault that I always just felt unworthy. And mm. I know a lot of us feel that way. A lot of listeners feel that way. Like you're not enough. And I just, I know I can't fix that for my kids. And I, I know I don't necessarily want to um, put that on my kids, but I also know that that's humanity, right? Yeah. Like we often feel like we're not enough or that we're too much. Yep. And so it has been very important since my kids were little to instill in them who they are in Christ. Mm. And so we've just done this little thing where like, I'll have my kids stick out their hands. I'll say, give me your fingers. And they put out their fingers. And since they were little, I've grabbed their thumb and I've said, you are a child of God. I've grabbed their forefinger and I've said, you are so loved, mm. you know, grab their middle finger, God says he loves you and you are his victor. Or, you know, uh, grab their little ring finger. You are so creative. God has made you so wonderful. They're, you know, and just sort of spoken truth mm. over them, who God says they are, and then who Kevin and I say they are, because there are things we see God forming in them. And it's gotten really cute. Like my youngest son, Nolan, will sometimes like take off his socks and he'll hand me his toes and he'll be like, do my toes too, mom. And sometimes he'll be like, do my ears, mom. Like, um, but I feel like that, that naming our kids and reminding them, speaking over them who they are, that's been a really important part of that journey for us as well. And I think with what you're saying too, because we all do things so differently. And I know you've mentioned that, yeah. like, hey, don't feel guilty if you're not doing these yes. things. I, I, I remember having this come to Jesus moment um, at Disney World with Weston. Love it. And we were in line and I was holding his hand 
And I just started tearing up and I was trying to not show him. Like, and I'm not a crier. So the fact that I was tearing up was a big deal. And I was praying to the Lord. I'm like, wow. Lord, Weston is so gentle and sweet and kind and tender. Mm. He needs a mom that is the same. And I'm none of those things. I can be a little oh. harsh. I can be a little direct. Like, I wouldn't use the word gentle to describe me. And I was like, Lord, why did you have me be his mom? He needs a better mom than me because I love Weston so much. I want him to have the best. And it was so neat that God met me right there. And he said, I entrusted you with him. I know exactly hmm. the mom that he needs to lead him into a relationship with me. And so in the hmm. same way, when I think about all these moms that are listening, is that if you're not the fun mom, you know, that's not who you are. Right. You're more the mom right. that's like a routine and schedule mom. The Lord knew exactly the type of kids he was going to give you and the type of mom you were going to be. If you're the mom that's like, no, I forced my kids to have a quiet time in the morning. The Lord knew you were going to do that. that. Yes. Right. And he knew I was going to be more free with them and, and say like, hey, whenever yeah. you want to. And he's going to use every single situation to bring them to him. And what I love about that is, again, we can be the type of person that God called us to be, and he's going to use that as well. Oh, I love that, Christy. That's such a good, I think, final word for our listeners. And I think we would just speak over you, moms, God's pleasure, God's affection, God's approval mm -hmm. of who you are. And just like Christy said, it is not an accident that you are your parents. You are your child's parents. Yes. It is not it is not an accident that God has given you the kids that he has and God mm -hmm. will give you everything you need as you parent because he is the perfect parent. And yes. so when you fail, that is an invitation to go, okay, Lord, you be strong in my weakness. And I think the reality is one, we all fail, yes. right? Because we're all human. And to God's grace is sufficient. It and is. so we hope you're encouraged, listeners. Please, I, we, <laughs> we know how hard mothering is. And uh, Christina, DM us if you want to. Christina, I can talk all things mothering and, and all the uh, failures of you along know. the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's mm -hmm. right. Um, Christy, just we're kind of closing now. Do you feel like you would feel comfortable offering a prayer for moms and dads who are listening right now who maybe just need some encouragement? Oh, my word. Yes, I would love to do that. Yeah. Okay. Jesus, we just thank you so much again for who you are, that you've given us the Holy Spirit, that we have that same power in us that raised you from the dead, Lord. And God, I thank you for that. And I pray that you right now, um, just in your wisdom, that you can just give every single person the discernment and wisdom of how to raise their, their kids, that you can give them the strength and the grace and the compassion to keep on going every single day, that you give them the ability to, to speak it out loud if they're dealing with mental health issues when it comes to parenting, that you give them the ability to speak it out loud if they're just not fulfilled in parenting, that you give them a purpose and a calling and the strength and the courage to go into that purpose and that calling, that you give them the yes. ability to speak positive words to themselves, to say that they are a good parent, that they are not failing their kids, that if their kids are not believers right now and they're older and their kids are at the house, that they were not a bad parent. And God, I pray that you just bring those kids back to you and that they can see that you're faithful in that and that you keep your promises. And, and God, we thank you for this time and we pray that you just bless this and that it helps a mm -hmm. lot of people and impacts your kingdom most of all. Yes, Lord. In your son's name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Christy, for being with us today on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you for having me. I absolutely loved that conversation, Aubrey. That was so cool to be. Wasn't a part that of fun? That. I mean, even though I wasn't a part of it, I got to hear it. And I mean, to, you're a part of I it. I got to in, get a little bit, your soul. even more insight into Christy's, you know, thought process and into her mm -hmm. heart, and got to hear yep. from you and some things I hadn't heard from you about. And that was just just really cool to be able to get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, even though I feel, feel like I know you really well, so that's awesome. Yeah, that was really fun to get to be a part of. If it was encouraging for you as you were listening to this, we would love to hear about it. Why don't you go and um, mention us on Instagram? Go ahead and tell us a little bit about some of the things that impacted you as you were listening to this. You can mention mm -hmm. us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries um, or me at Davy Blackburn, Aubrey at Obsamp. We'd love while you're doing that to go ahead and follow us as well. And um, we have many ways that we want to help you partner with God to take back your story. That's what we're passionate about here at Nothing Is Wasted. We're on a crusade to do that. We do right. not want your pain to threaten or thwart the God-given purpose that he has built you for. 
He is out to redeem this pain. So if right. we can help you in any way, go to nothingiswasted.com. Perhaps it's to, to dive into the pain to purpose course. Um, maybe you want to hire a surf certified guide to help you walk through that. Um, or maybe you want to join a community group. Either way, we've got lots of resources there at nothingiswasted.com. We'd love to assist you in any way we can. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the podcast. You can find his music wherever you listen to music. And it's such good music. Such I have to say that. I love Sleeping music. at Last. Ugh, and he keeps coming so out with listenable. more. more everything he I comes mean, out with. I'm like, the guy is like dude. prolific. It's unbelievable. Shoot. So talented. So go ahead and listen yeah. to Sleeping at Last. Yeah. And next week, we're going to continue our parenting series for you. Mm -hmm. This is with Ron and Nan Deal. It's a very <sighs> powerful episode. You yes. are going to want to come back for this one for sure. So yes. let's go ahead and take a listen to a clip with your conversation with Ron and Nan Deal. We went home after a movie and just being together for a few minutes and uh, Connor complained of a headache. And um, yeah, what do you do? Give him a couple ibuprofen, send him to bed a little early. That's what we do, right? Uh, You've seen this a thousand times as a parent, and we didn't think anything of it. Um, next morning, he wasn't feeling any better, and Ann took him to a walk-in urgent care kind of place, and they tested him for half a dozen things, and nothing showed up. And so they said, take two of these and call us in a couple of days. If yeah, he's, they actually he's gave him a breathing treatment and said he had a bad case of croup, which was really kind of strange in a 12-year-old boy, right. but the doctor's... Slapped him on the back and said, you'll feel better in 24 hours. Yeah. And two days later, you know, making long story short, um, that was a Sunday. By Tuesday, he had a 105-degree temperature and uh, couldn't barely breathe. We rushed him to our family doctor. An x-ray revealed pneumonia. We don't know what's causing that. Let's get him in the hospital. Two more days before we had a, a, a diagnosis, he had MRSA. He had a, a MRSA staph infection that had gone septic in his bloodstream and was pretty much just ravaging his body. 